The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiot Radio Podcast. Well, it's time to get out your moral compass. It's the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast with your host today, Tony Dufresne, PhD, and the lovely Mariah Herrick from Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Mariah, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Tony? I'm doing well. And it, it's, I don't want to like take time to talk about the weather, but you guys are getting hammered. And I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that I feel <laughs> really bad for you because we in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area in Arizona and in Las Vegas, where I'm at part time, I guess, uh, yeah. have not even really had a winter. So I, I'm, I feel sorry yeah. for you guys. No, thank you. I appreciate your condolences. We're, <laughs> we're surviving. We're hanging in there. <laughs> All I heard was people were taking canoes to work. Uh, yes. At dirt, out, you know, through the streets. So that's. Yep. Diehards here I, in I, Boston. I Good old better. Boston. Of course. I love Boston. <laughs> so this week, I, I, I thought it would be really cool to, because of the fact that, and we had talked about this right before the show, and everybody talks about this. It's the it's the moral fabric that's going on right now, and it, it's the fact that that there's so much of this fake news bullshit stuff that's being thrown out there to mm-hmm. loosen up and to unravel the the moral fabric and and the the fabric of just how we've been operating over low these many years, and they're trying to atomic bomb the whole thing, which is a horrifically horrible idea because you have to have some level of foundation. In order to, and make subtle changes on that. that. That's like, I mean, anybody knows anything about making change on a grand scale. It's not about blowing the whole thing up, but that's what the political scene, especially here in America, that's, that's what's happening right now. And in the process, what they're doing is they're loosening the moral fabric. This is my mm-hmm. opinion. And they're, they're putting that question in somebody's head. Is that really what's going on? It's the conspiracy right. theory stuff. It's the fake news stuff. And it's, it, this is doing a lot of damage and people are uh, are sitting there floundering around now. So I thought today it'd be kind of cool to go back to almost old school, uh, back to the days where I took my ethics classes in my gra- in grad school and uh, talk about morality and ethics and really what they are. And and the goal here is to instill uh, the the power in everybody that's listening and watching that uh, they can take what we talk about today and just work on them their own moral fabric and their own because really when it comes down to it it's going to be everybody having a very very solid foundation and then kind of coming together and starting right. to starting to repair all of the shit that's been that's been happening for the past couple of years and to be able to get back on track again because we're way off track we are so and, far off track <laughs> just so divisive and so and you know and we you and I sort of lean the same way, which is shocking mm-hmm. because I'm actually the complete opposite of what I was not five years ago. I, I mean, like <laughs> the complete opposite. But and that's an, I think that's another show because I, I have a completely opposite way political slant now. I'm more uh, center left instead of, mm-hmm. of right because I used to right. be, I was brought up anyway. So yeah. let's talk. Let's talk about morals, moral and ethics. And then I want to I'm, I'm going to throw you out to you two classic Moral and ethic dilemmas. And, oh, God. And then okay. I just, and then I, I kind of want to see what you do with it. And then and I want to throw it out to the listeners, too, to see what they think. And then kind of okay. how they – and there's no right answer. That's the best part about all of this. It just makes you think. 
makes you think mm-hmm. about where you're at and what you think is important and kind of right. go along for that. So the first thing is, is that I just want to put out a couple of quick definitions just in case, just to clarify things. So the moral definition or definition of, of moral or morals is a person's standards of behavior or beliefs concerning what is and is not acceptable for them to do. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Pretty What's acceptable, right? Ethics are the moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. So ethics is just the grouping of morals. Okay. It's the sack that you put the all sack your morals. Of morals. You put all your morals in. And that's <laughs> it. So that's morals and ethics. Pretty simple, super straightforward, very easy for anybody to follow and anybody to kind of create their own thing. Now, there's if you look back and I won't bore everybody with this because this is what I had to do. I mean, unless you want to be a psych student or if you want to be a philosophy student, then great. You know, you'd be all fired up about this. But as we grow up, as we get older, there are some stages of development and Piaget, who was an old, I love Piaget. Piaget, he had this, (laughs) he had the stages of, he deals a lot with children's development and stages of development. But at the same time, what he did, he had six stages of moral development that he kind of developed along those lines of the of just overall child development. Mm-hmm. And in those, he talks about, you know, as you get older, these are certain milestones that you should that, that you should hit in regards to understanding you're not the only person in the world. And it's not just about you and it's about what's best for everybody. You know, that kind of the, the whole thing. Right. And there was a guy named Kohlberg who took that Piaget thing and he created a theory of moral development. And I think it's fascinating. It's super easy to follow. So I'm going to throw it out to you. So according to Kohlberg, the theory of moral development, there are six stages. And in the six stages, there are three levels. And the three levels are pre-convention and convention and post-conventional. You don't have to remember these for any tests, but I'm just throwing them out to Perfect. create, you know, basically the pre-convention is like infant to preschool. The convention is school age. And then post-convention is like teenagers and adults. And it really goes along the lines of, when you're a kid, you're very, very egocentric. I mean, as an infant, you know, it's more of an attachment theory with your with your um, parents. And as you're a kid, you're selfish and it's mm-hmm. you know, you're very egocentric and it's all about you and you really don't have an idea of other people around you. Then you get into school and then you learn about, you know, social mores and you learn about, you know, the morality of working together and there are other concerns and it's not just your world and that kind of stuff. Then it gets, in, it gets into the teen and then to adult, whereas... Really what it says in, in the post-conventional in, in moral theory is when you're an adult, you really don't have an excuse not to have a level of morals that benefits your, not only yourself but other people. Correct. But that's why I like kids better, Tony. <laughs> they have an excuse when they act like assholes. <laughs> I, I'm not, I am not going to disparage that comment whatsoever because I tend, I tend to agree on many yep. levels. <laughs> so, all, so all of that being said, that's kind of just the background of of morals and ethics, and and really, up to this point, how things have have been co- constructed in our society. Mm-hmm. With a lot of how we've kind of developed things, have been based on these tenets, on these principles. So now I'm going to throw out to you the most famous moral dilemma of all time. And, uh, I want to, uh, and then I'm going to throw you out, uh, some questions afterwards that Kohlberg okay. actually designed to see where people are. And again, there's no right or wrong answer, but I want everybody to think about this, uh, in terms of how they are and where they're at. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so it's called Heinz's dilemma and Heinz's wife, 
was dying from a particular type of cancer. And doctors said a new drug might save her. Now, the drug has been discovered by a local chemist, and Heinz tried desperately to buy some of the drug, but the chemist was charging 10 times the money it cost to make the drug, which was way more than Heinz could afford. So Heinz could only raise half the money. He asked his friends, his family, could only raise half the money. And even after help from all of these people, he explained to the chemist that his wife was dying and asked if he could have the drug cheaper or pay for the rest of the money later, like on an installment plan or something. Uh, the chemist refused, saying that he had discovered the drug and was going to make money from it. Kind of sounds like that Screlly dickhead, doesn't it? It sure does. Right? So, yep. uh, so the husband was desperate to save his wife. So later that night, he broke into the chemist's pharmacy thing, and he stole the drug. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. So this is what Colburn wants you to ask. So number one, should Heinz have stolen the drug? Mariah. Should, should he have stolen it? Should Heinz have stolen the drug? No. Okay. But... There's always a can, but. This is a moral can dilemma. Can I ellipse this? Okay, let, let me let me give you the second, the second <laughs> question. Yes, you can. Would it change anything if Heinz did not love his wife? And he just wanted it for the money, like to sell it or something. Yeah, just If he didn't love his wife and he still stole it. Really what they're saying, and what he's saying in the second question is, was it emotional, was it an emotional <clears throat> reason why he did this? Based on love. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So would it so change if, it would it change anything if Heinz did not love it? You know, Heinz stole he stole the prescription, right? Would right. it change it would it change anything? Would it change your answer if you knew that he did not love his wife? Yes. Okay. What if the person dying was a stranger? Would it make a difference? Tony, you know how I would actually answer all of this. That I, well, I would, well, I, would well, I would steal it myself as well. Right. But I'm not allowed to say that it's a right to steal. Right? But it's not. But it's not. It's not a right. Remember, this is not a right or wrong. I, I, I want to know exactly what you would do in this situation, given the fact. Let's put let's put it exactly in yours, and I hope everybody would would tend to put it in their significant other, or their mom, or their sister, yeah. or their brother. Let's just say it's the closest relationship you have in your life. Okay. And they're dying of something. Yep. There's a drug out there. It's really expensive. You can only raise half the money, but you know they're going to die in the next couple of days if they don't get it. And that could literally save their life. They could, and you know that it could save their life. Would you break in and steal? The yes, medicine? I would. Okay. Yes, I would. All right. <laughs> exactly. So why why would you steal that that medicine? Because I love that person. Right. And to me, I'd rather I'd rather go to jail and face the consequences than have them die. So you would pick you would pick the benefit of one over the benefit of many in terms of of continuing to follow the law and the rule of law that's been that's been set up for the good of all. Yes. Okay. See that that's the that's the moral <laughs> di- but that's the moral dilemma question, and and that but it, and it brings up a really good point. It brings up the point where you know there are certain circumstances. Where morally, you can't just go with what's out there necessarily. You've got to take a look at and and you have to decide on your own. Now, consequences is a huge thing here because mm-hmm. if you do decide to break from the norm or break from the good of the masses or the good of the whole, which happens a lot, 
If you do, then you are going to have to face consequences and understanding that that's the case. That's the case. Does it make it right that this guy, this asshole is charging that much? It's the, it's the Screlly guy with the, was that with, with right. the EpiPen or whatever it was? It's the mm-hmm. same thing with that Martin Screlly guy. Is is it right that that guy's just fleecing these people that desperately need to keep people alive with this? It uh, is it's not. It's not right at all. It's his prerogative. He can do it if he wants. To him, money was his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. Money right. was the most important thing. So that's why yeah. he did it. Does it make it right or wrong? I mean, to me, I think it it, it, it shows a complete lack of humanity uh, at, Correct. You know, whatsoever. But, you know, that's me. But to him, obviously, it doesn't. Again, this is a perspective thing. So here's another one I'm going to throw out to you real quick. Okay. Uh, best friend's wedding, it's called. So you're at your best friend's wedding just an hour before the ceremonies to start. And earlier that day, you came across definitive proof that your best friend's spouse-to-be is having an affair with the oh boy. best man or maid of honor. And as, as you catch them sneaking out of a room together looking, you know, post-sex. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knows the sex hair look, right? Yes. So if you sure tell do. your friend about the affair, their day will be ruined on their wedding day. But you don't want him to marry a cheater. What would you do? I would tell my friend. Why? Hands down. Because I'd rather ruin one day than the rest of their life. See, I, that, that's how I thought, too. That's <laughs> yep. how I thought, too. But again, there, there is also a case, or I think there's also uh, a credibility to the other answer, too. To the fact that, totally. you, that you wouldn't I do so. understand. Because what if you don't what if you didn't know the circumstances behind it? I'm not saying it's the circumstances were right for, you know, to, to get a little piece on the side of the, the, the maid of honor before you marry right. your wife. All I'm saying is is that, you know, th- this could have been going on for whatever, or maybe she even knew about it, or or maybe was hinting, or she didn't care, or it doesn't matter. But in the in in that wedding situation, it's so it's so fired up. It's so intense and it's, there's so mm-hmm. much emotion going on. Maybe it would have been taken out of context. Again, I'm not right. saying that, you know, I'm cheating on somebody is if, I mean, if somebody doesn't like it, then, you know, whatever, but I'm just saying that right. there's a possibility of that happening. All right. Here's the third one I want to throw out to you. This is, this is one okay. of the, this is the second most popular one. And you've probably dealt with this before. It's, it's the trolley. I remember getting this in ethics class like a hundred years ago. <laughs> so there's a runaway trolley barreling down the railroad, railroad tracks and ahead on the tracks, there are five people tied up and unable to move. The trolley's headed straight for them. You're standing some distance off of the, the main train yard next to a lever. If you pull this lever, the trolley will switch to a different set of tracks. However, you notice that there is one person tied up on this different set of tracks. So you have two options. You do nothing, and the trolley kills the five people on the main track, or you pull the lever, diverting the trolley onto the side track where it will kill one person. What's the most ethical choice? Oh, God. So my instinct would be to not pull the lever because then I would have had no part in the decision like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made the choice to kill the other person whose life is just as valuable as the five lives okay that are going to be lost that would be that's honest input I I appreciate that (laughs) my 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 initial uh, my initial and again all of these uh, scenarios are completely out of the emotional context of being in a crazy situation like that, right? So we're, we're, right. We, we get a chance to think about them a little bit more. My initial gut reaction on this was to pull it, to, to save yep. the five people to go to the one. They did a study, and I think it was 2001 or 2002, 
where they surveyed like 100 philosophers. And 68% of the philosophers said that they would pull it to kill the one. Really? Right. Now, now, here's, here's, yeah. now here's a twist. This is called the Fat Man edition. <laughs> so as, as before, okay. right, the Fat Man. So as before, a trolley's hurling down the track towards the five people. You're on a bridge under which it will pass, and you can stop it by putting something very heavy in front of it. As it happens, there's a very fat man standing right next to you. Your only way to stop the trolley is to push him over and have him land on the tracks, killing him and saving the five. Would you do it? No. <laughs> I couldn't. I, don't, I couldn't do it. Right. Now, I don't like making that choice. <laughs> now, there's, there's a thing that... Um, there's a there's a concept in philosophy about the fat man thing, and most people said they would not do that. Interestingly enough, it's the same dilemma, isn't it? Because it's either kill right. one to save five, or or uh, you know kill the five to and uh, save mm-hmm. the one. Now you were con- very consistent on both of those. Now a lot of mm-hmm. people a lot of people would say they would pull the lever to save the the five, and, but at the same mm-hmm. time they would they said they would not push the fat guy over onto the tracks to stop the trolley to save the five, which are counter to each other, right? Right. One, they're saving the five. The other one, they're saving the one. What's the difference? Well, the difference is the emotional connection, the emotional connection between pulling a lever or literally pushing someone pushing over. Pushing a person. Yeah. Mm. So that that's the boundary. It's a big boundary in regards to <sighs> that the, is a big boundary. Yeah, it's it's. I think I think they call it. It doesn't really matter, but I think they call it mechanical versus personal or something like that, or humanitarian or something. So, all of this being said, um, it it raises a, a really big issue that I found in doing the research on this and the problem regal, regarding the trolley. I think it. I think it arises with all this uh, self driving car stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, and it's and it actually is is a big big thing uh, in situations where the car software is forced to to turn a potential crash scenario to choose between multiple courses of action. It's the same thing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do yeah. you program an autonomous car? And, and I have in, no in idea. Which way? In which way <laughs> would you program that? Would you program that to to uh, say are are the safety of the occupants of the car highest priority? which could be one person, but maybe, you know, in terms of saving that person, it has to divert onto the sidewalk and kill five or six people. Oh, boy. So here, here's an interesting rub that I found, in this, which is fascinating to me, and I didn't even realize this was the case until I started digging in. There's a platform right now called The Moral Machine, created by MIT, and it's online. Okay. You can go online, The Moral Machine. Just put in Moral Machine MIT in Google. It was created by them to allow the public to express their opinions on this. Oh. So if you go on to Moral Machine, MIT Moral Machine, it gives you scenarios, specific scenarios regarding self-driving cars. And what they're doing is they're collecting data to support their software programming. Oh, wow. Is that nuts or what? So we are providing the moral compass. Yes. For the engineers. Yes, and so what? And so what okay. they'll do is, but they're, and they're using it. They're using it as something, and this will go into the autonomous car software, and they're using it as a basis of moral decision making, based upon what what people say. Now, the fascinating thing I think about it is, um, you might have fifty three percent of people say one thing, and you know whatever forty seven percent say another. It's still forty seven percent that doesn't agree. 
But right. you, but you're still gonna you're still gonna program Go the, the car that way. Do you see oh. where we're getting into? It's just it it's a very very tricky situation. Yeah. We're living in a tricky world these days. It is, and it's getting more. And and that that circles back to the thing I wanted to finish up the show with in regards to what's going on today. And I think the, the the key component of all of this, and the reason why I wanted to we wanted to chat about this, is to just show you that there's a lot of a lot of differences, and it's all based on context. Context is mm-hmm. absolutely positively 100 percent every single thing in regards to aspect of anybody's life. Context mm-hmm. meaning it depends on your specific situation, who you are, who the person is, who this, what the specific situation is. And then you are able to create some sound decisions based upon what you feel are, is the most uh, ethical thing or you feel is the best course of action. Now, the, the situation with the fake news thing and the situation, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create, um, they're trying to create an alternative reality. The alternative reality being very, very self-serving to what they're trying to do. And that's the right. problem. It's it's not even like they're trying to steer you towards something. All they're trying to do is destroy what we have currently. Now, it, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not going to defend the fact that all of the the moral fabric that we have in society is fine and great and doesn't need adjustments. That's actually completely not the case because a lot of the moral fabric we have is based on ridiculous, you know, biblical, biblical scripture and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and a bastardization and a complete, you know, screwing up of really what things should be and shouldn't be. And that's fine. Right. And I say, and, and, that, and that's the whole thing about, you know, the, the value of life and abortion and that gets into a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. But the key is, I think the key is personally, is that keep an eye out and be very, very aware of people trying to instill not not instill their own counter opinion or their own specific opinion that doesn't fit into the current moral scene, but just to denounce the current and say fake news. Anybody says fake news, it immediately puts up a red flag for me. The red mm-hmm. flag is it has zero to do with what their opinion is because they don't have one. All they want to do is disparage what's real now in order to put a kernel in your mind that it may not be real. Right. And that's and that's their Give you that that's doubt. their intention. Their intention is mm-hmm. not to bring something to the table to do s- some common back and forth and to argue no. some some key components of that. They're, they're, what they're trying to do is just to blow up what's there to put that kernel in your mind of create a level of uncertainty where now yeah. they can infiltrate it afterwards and say now you can't believe anybody. Exactly. That that's the if you look back on history, that that has completely imploded many, many powerful societies, many mm-hmm. powerful societies and the most powerful societies uh, in history, you know, the Romans and the old yep. Babylonians and the, the Greeks and all that stuff. They they have all imploded from within. There hasn't been one great society through history that uh, hasn't um, that has been destroyed by outside forces. Right. And I'm not counting Germany as a great society. That guy was a nut job and they were just, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's Touché, not, yes. That's not what I'm talking about because they were no. they were taken to the woodshed and with the allies and stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about great societies throughout history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's why I wanted to throw out the moral thing. What I mean, do you have any 
thoughts on what's going on morally or ethically or what do you what do you see you're a nurse you see this yes as in the medical field which i think is is such a fascinating field to deal with these problems yeah so i mean certainly in the medical field um we see it most probably in end of life decisions um where you're trying to give a little bit of dignity and power to the patient and the family is selfish and struggling. They don't realize they're being selfish. We would all feel the same way. But when it comes down to those big end-of-life decisions, do we keep someone alive or do we not, um, that seems to be like the biggest struggle in, mm. in healthcare and trying to convince people that sometimes it's better for the patient to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's really hard. And, you know, that's a hugely emotional thing, just like we were talking about. It's all emotional context. That's all people can think of is with emotion. They're not using their brains. They're completely thinking with their hearts. And that's, that's the way humans are. Um, but I really feel like, especially now in this society that we're living with, I feel like there are, it almost feels like there are two camps of people. And there are the people who are completely focused on what's in front of them. So in their own tiny individual realities, their own little nuclear families and worlds and what best impacts them. And then we have the people who are looking at a big picture of what's best for the majority, right? And I feel like depending on where you live and the way you were raised, everyone can make good arguments back and forth. It's like the whole gun thing. Do we get rid of the guns or do we instill more gun control in the hopes that we avoid another mass shooting? Or do we let people have these weapons themselves to protect their family or their people if something does happen? Everyone wants to protect people. We're all coming at it from a different angle. And it's based on how we're looking at the big picture versus the small nuclear group in front of us. And that's really what I see. Do you think there's a way that you can that you can integrate how you the, the, the what's good for your family, what's good for your inner circle, at the same time what's good for the masses? Do you think there's a way that you can integrate both of those to sort of have the arrows going in the same direction? I think that there is, but I think that there has to be a lot of self-awareness and a lot of understanding of of what is a want versus a need? So maybe I, maybe people want to live in an all white society and they don't want to integrate or, or urbanize or anything like that. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's in their head. That's not a need. That's a want. Um, maybe people want a gun. Maybe they don't need a gun, an AR-15, maybe. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so in my mind, it's wants versus needs. So like for me, when people are all up in arms about taxation and cutting taxes and all that, sure, I'd like to take home more money in my paycheck. But in my mind, when I think to myself, you know what? Do I need that extra $20? Um, I mean, it'd be nice, but I don't don't need it. It's not going to make or break my day in my life. It's not going to affect my world that much. So I'm lucky in that sense. It's not going to affect my world that much. And if I know that being able to contribute more to the greater good is going to help a lot of other people with healthcare or help a lot of other people with, 
you know, whatever it is, you know, build infrastructure, improve my schools. I'm willing to give more if I know that more people are going to be impacted positively, especially if it's, you know, it's really not going to affect me that much. So I understand why people get emotional and why they are very opinionated on what they are willing to give and not and how they are willing to bend mm-hmm. because yeah. we're all in different situations. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. I think the want and the need is amazing. That goes to, that goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it goes back yep. to the, the thing is, is that if you look at wants versus needs, uh, needs are um, the, the, the needs are the basic things, and, and it's uh, what, what you, exactly what, along the lines of what you said. Those wants in regards to wants that are outside of the greater good, the ones that are really outside of the greater good in terms of having an AR-15 or an, anything of that nature, those mm-hmm. wants are based on fears. That's the problem. The, the problem, exactly. the problem is, is that, that the society, ever since the Great Recession, the society has split to two different camps who think they have the right answers and the, per- the other people have the wrong answers. And anytime you get into a situation where you, you believe the other person or you have, you, you've created an evil empire on the other side to where their complete line of thinking is, is, is against you. It's not just different. It's against you. Then that's an issue and it creates levels of fear. Then you have the outside people on both the sides. Who are who are not really stable, and they are, they don't have an inner compass, and and they're just sheeples, and they'll follow whatever, and they're scared to death already. That's mm-hmm. that's why we have such extremities here. That's why people yeah. are so extreme about because if you look at it from a logical, if you look at it from a logical, and I'm a gun owner, I mm-hmm. own a gun, I have a Glock, I, I have a pistol. If you look at it from and I and I appreciate the fact that I can. I think that's great. You yeah. Know? But if you look at it from a perspective of of just really of context, in what context would anybody need to own a semi-automatic rifle that has a, a bullet velocity three times the the speed of a of a normal pistol? And it can, then if you've seen so, the damage that it can do. And the, the amount of shots or the bump stocks or all that kind of stuff. There is from from a logical cognitive perspective there is zero reason to have that and from a fierce perspective there's a reason because you think the government is is um out to get you and you think and you think that it's going to take all your thing all your stuff and it's going to end up being like 1984 all over again but that's a fear Mm -hmm. isn't it that's a fear that's a fear the possibility is of that happening is is there's always a possibility of anything happening but the probability of that happening is like point zero 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 one the probability. Right. So you're going to make a decision, and you're going to put and you're going to put your feet in the ground and cement them on, some, on having a right to have a semi-automatic assault rifle based on something that has that that you could win the lottery and have you have better odds. Yeah. Than, than, exactly. than having the government overthrow you and all this kind of stuff. But people are scared, and it's all from fear. All of this mm-hmm. shit is from fear. And that's the mm-hmm. and that's the want need thing, and it, because they haven't they haven't settled themselves down and understand and taken care of their needs, and then looked at wants as something that's over and above. They, it's right. A, it's a perspective shift that they need to take. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's and and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that cooler heads prevail over the next few years. Um, I don't know how it's going to happen with what's his face with with Voldemort <laughs> in office but um I, I think uh maybe with the midterms and stuff and I'm not and I'm not proposing you know having a massive democratic overthrow of everything either because I right. don't think that's right I, I just think I just think no. it's a matter of everybody kind of coming together and finding solutions finding some are, balance that are reasonable yeah back yeah, back to some exactly. balance and, and and back to some 
some stuff that you know I'll agree with and I'll disagree with, but at least we'll be going in the right direction and we won't be reacting out of fear because that's what's happening now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no progress, yeah, all all reactions. Right. So okay, soapbox put away. <laughs> for a rainy day yeah. Uh, well, I, I, uh, yeah, exactly so hopefully the morals and ethics thing was, was a fun little topic and the questions these are questions that uh, have been asked throughout the years with uh, morals and ethic classes and uh, psych students and philosophy students I've been asked this through my 50 years in school and you know grad and 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 uh, my, and, uh, my doctorate degree I, I i went through this numerous times and it's i think it's important i think everybody should go through yeah. and kind of double check their their moral compass every once in a while Absolutely. to see if it to see if it's you know if they're okay with it mm-hmm. and then, yeah and then moving forward so all right well you can listen to this on javabud.com and uh itunes stitcher and soundcloud also we're doing a video uh last week last week's video <laughs> With uh, with Lexi didn't work because her internet sucks, and oh. uh, and I couldn't get the because I do the sound different than with the video, and I have to uh, mash them together, and it didn't work. So, but this one's gonna work. Bummer. I know. Okay, right. I'm excited. So the video will be up. It'll be on jobbutter.com. Also, remember you can buy the Surrounded by Idiots book. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, and uh, also on the Kindle library. I think you can get it for free, like renting from a library. It's kind of cool. Coolest. And right, and uh, and then you know I've got some freebie stuff. So if you can go to jobbutter.com, that'd be cool. And if you want to uh, send me a note, again, if you send me a decent topic for a show, I'll send you a book. So, Pretty good deal. Yeah, not bad. So, like all it. right, Mariah, thank you very much. Uh, have fun Anytime. out there in Boston. I, I can't oh, wait to get you. back me out too. there. And for we you, can't wait either. Right, you for you, all the East Coasters, the West Coast, everybody around the world in the 180 countries that we've been listening to so far. Uh, it's good to talk to you again, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.